Hello, I'm Arafat. I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to Slow Pit Stop, the international Formula One podcast by fans for fans all around the world. My name is Arafat, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Mohammed. Say hi, Mohammed. Hi, Mohammed. Mohammed, I have a story for you. Oh my god, I love your stories. I behaved like an American. Yes, always do that. Well, not always, but okay. How'd you behave like an American? So I went to work the other day yeah. and I parked in the car park and the car park at the hospital I work at is called Jurassic Park. It says that on Google Maps. You can look Incredible. it up. Incredible. Okay. So I parked in Jurassic Park yeah. and in the row in front of me, a man parked in an Alpine A110, which is a bit rare to see Wait, in the road. Alpines are actual cars? Yeah. Oh, what? I didn't know that. I was like, why did Renault change their name to Alpine? Is it because so there's Alpine mountains in France? Alpine is a small sports car division owned by Renault. I did not know that. I gotta look this car. What is it called? An Alpine what? A110. Or like A110. What? It's like a very, very old car. Oh, in the wow. Yeah. Look at that. It's very nice looking. So, okay. Yeah. What happened? So, the normal British thing to do would for me to have just ignored him and slowly yeah. tumbled into work. Yeah. And for him to just ignore me. But I thought, I'll behave like an American and I'll make small talk with a stranger. <laughs> so nice. I turned to him and I was like, oh, I love your car, by the way. And he's like, oh, thanks. And it doesn't get out much. I won't name him because I don't know if he wants to be named. But um, we were then chatting away and we started chatting about Formula One. And uh, he was saying, oh, you know, Abu Dhabi 21's left a bad taste. Um, but Lewis Hamilton's real inspiration, everything he's done in essentially a yeah. white man's sport. And this was like, you know, a consultant in a hospital, yeah. nice sports car. He was a white guy himself. And I, I just thought it was cool because 99% of the time when I talk to people about Formula One or Lewis Hamilton, they know nothing about it. And they're like, oh, he's yeah. a bit arrogant, isn't he? I'm like, what makes you say he's arrogant? Oh, I don't know. I just thought he's arrogant. It's like, you don't watch the races or anything. Whereas this was someone who knew about it and actually shared like really yeah. nice opinions on him. So that yeah. was cool. You know, it's something about nice cars. It bridges gaps. Because, you know, like like 10, like 12, 12 or 13 years ago, the president of my mosque uh, owned a Tesla. And he was probably the yeah. first, like, person anybody, any of us knew that actually had a Tesla. And yeah. uh, he told us, like, oh, yeah, I was driving. I was, like, out in the middle of nowhere. We parked, like, at a, at a charging station that was, like, the only charging station in the area. And another guy pulled up, and he looked like he was, like, a real, like, redneck from the south and i had a huge beard and i was dressed in full muslim garb like proper muslim garb and i was afraid that he was gonna turn on me but then we just started talking about our teslas so i think some, there's something yeah. about nice cars that unites. i, I don't think it's together. nice cars. i think it's electric cars at the minute people used cars. to say you know if you have a dog you just talk to other dog owners while you walk yeah. them yeah. whereas now because i have an electric car as well yeah um i 100 know that feeling if i stop yeah. in a public place to charge it you do just start chatting to other people and it's yeah. always, oh, how far can you get on a charge? <laughs> that, that's the that's the standard. Like, oh, 300? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I did do 300 too. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. All right. So apologies for the audio quality. Apparently I was using the wrong mic a minute ago, but now we're back. Uh, <laughs> but yes, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Speaking of Alpine and the USA, the Joe Sayward blog was reporting an American company called Auto Nation has purchased 25% of Alpine which might go up to 40% as well. Um, and it's a big deal. It's good for Renault because another company is helping to pay the bills. And apparently it's good for them also because it gives them 
a way to sell their cars yeah. in America. Yeah. I'm not sure what they mean by Renaults or Alpines themselves, yeah. but I've not heard of Autonation. Are they big in America? What's their deal? Yeah, they're huge in America, and I think this is going to be a really big deal. So Autonation is one of the big uh, like auto um, media organizations. So if you're a car person of any sort... So they're they're very big auto nation and I think this is a really big step forward for Renault because nobody knows what Renault is in the United mm. States and I I don't think they would start by selling their Alpines because like I know what Renault is and I still didn't know what Alpine is I mm. think it would be a smarter bet to start selling their Renaults and these European cars that you never saw before are starting to come because there's like an Alfa Romeo uh, dealership now near my house which mm. is very weird I have never seen Alfa Romeos in America before they're beautiful yeah they're really nice cars have and you seen the Julia. Yeah, that's so that's I drove a Julia once as a rental car. It's fantastic. You fell in love with it. Really good. Yeah. That's the problem. So I I booked a rental car and I booked like mini or equivalent or something. And I um I I showed up and they're like, Oh, we don't have any minis. Are you okay with this Julia? (laughs) That's amazing. That's the problem with falling in love with rental cars. But yeah, so these European car brands are coming to America and I think it's good. Um I think if they're gonna use Formula One to launch into America, I think that's that's totally fine. We need to we need to get Pajut. That's the next step. Peugeot. <laughs> Pajut. Pergol. Peugeot. Pojo. Yes, we need to get Pojo next. The Lion Company. Yes. <laughs> um, fine. The other story that I found interesting was the race reported that uh, there was a story about Daniel Ricciardo not having such a great time at Red Bull. Uh, um, they said it was an wait, unofficial. What? Like now or back yeah, then? Yeah, now. So wow. they said it was an unofficial but quietly understood truth in F1 paddock uh, that Ricardo had been on the Red Bull simulator and struggled. Two years at McLaren had apparently had quite a negative impact. They go on to say Christian Horner chose his words carefully but essentially confirmed Ricardo had returned in a limited form. Christian Horner Mm -hmm. said, I guess when he first turned up after Abu Dhabi, Horner said before pausing, I think the problem is when you drive a car that obviously has limitations, you adapt and try and adjust to extract the maximum out of that car. And it was clear when he came back that he picked up some habits that were not, that we didn't recognize as the Daniel that had left us years earlier. Do you know sometimes people inappropriately use a lollipop as an analogy, like the lollipop that gets passed around a bunch of people? Okay. I think Daniel Ricardo is an appropriate analogy right. for the lollipop. I think he's been passed around too many teams and he's come back to the original owner of the lollipop and they're like, oh my God, this tastes disgusting now. I feel bad for him because it's almost like what Alonzo did. Or I mean, a lot of people have jumped teams. Like Carlos Sainz was in like yeah, he's nine all over the place. And, and Alonzo like d- d- ha- clearly has not been affected by driving for McLaren Honda, arguably one of the worst like engine yeah. team combos in history. Yeah, but he came out GP2 of GP two engine, GP two engine. <laughs> well, I I just saw I just saw a highlight reel the other day where he was like. The car is crap. The track is crap. Why are we even still racing? Just box, just retire the car. Yeah. So he like hated his life there. So I feel bad for Ricardo that he's come back to Red Bull, which was supposed to be his saving grace, and is still struggling. I I hope he can unlearn. The well, Red apparently Bull he's been back in the simulator, yeah. and he's starting to be more like the old Ricardo. Yeah. Um. What that means for his future, 
I'm not entirely sure. I'm trying to think, if I was his manager, where would I put him just now? It depends on how well he comes back or how fast he comes back because the whole question right now is about Perez and is is Perez challenging for the title? Is he getting in Red Bull's way? Is he tripping over himself? If that's the case, then they're going to get rid of him and put Ricardo in and he's going to be a solid number two driver. But if Ricardo's still struggling and he still can't get up on the podium, then they're just going to have a, a very, not on the podium, on the simulator, they're going to have a very strong chat with Perez and say, you are the number two driver. You're not supposed to challenge Max. Mm. Yeah, but we'll get to that. But yeah, I do feel bad for him. Uh, but, you know, what can you do? Um, have you seen him at the Met Gala? Uh, no, I did not because I don't care. But tell me. Well, well, this was a big moment for Twitter, for F Formula and Twitter. Uh-huh. So for our listeners who are don't care about the Met Gala like Arafat, the Met Gala is like an opportunity for the rich and famous to flaunt their wealth. It's like, you know, the capital in Hunger Games and they all get together and they have the craziest outfits. And for some reason, normal people who don't have millions of dollars tend to lap it up. Lewis Hamilton, so to get an invitation, it used to be very exclusive to get invitations, only like certain rich people did not everyone got invitations and Lewis Hamilton had been invited for many years back when he was winning at Mercedes. So 2016, 17, 18, 19, uh, and he would come up and he'd wear cool outfits. And he was the first formula one driver to go to the Met Gala. And mm. at the time they said like, Oh, you know, this is bad. It's a distraction. I believe it was in 2018 that he went to the Met Gala and he got so much flack for going to the Met Gala and all of these people said he doesn't he's not taking his job seriously as a racing driver. And then he flew back to Singapore and did that all time best qualifying lap yeah. that we always talk about. And then he won the race. So that was Lewis Hamilton. But he hasn't been back since twenty twenty one. In twenty twenty one he invited an entire table's worth of black fashion designers who are underrepresented and don't get to have a big voice because the Met Gala is ostensibly uh, an event for high fashion mm. and the money they raise goes to the museum of modern art so it's like mm-hmm. for arts so he invited all of these black artists and fashion designers and he gave them a seat at the met gala and it was a big moment for them but he hasn't been back since so everyone was wondering is he going to be back this year so you the way it happens is you don't know who is invited until they show up to the met gala. Right. and there's a live okay. stream of the red carpet so everyone is waiting does Lewis Hamilton show up and the car shows up with the Formula One driver and out comes Daniel Ricciardo instead. So you nice. can imagine the complete and utter shock of everyone watching who was expecting Lewis Hamilton and Daniel Ricciardo comes out instead. Nice. It was just absolute like man. people know who he was? <laughs> No, so not really. But I mean, the F1 people watching knew who it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. But but no, people didn't know who, who he was, not really. And he, there's like this really awkward video. Okay, you know, like the kids like that are waiting in line to like go use the potty or whatever. Yeah. They're like sitting there like, you know. That's how he's like standing amongst all these like ultra rich celebrities. So there's like Anne, Hath- Anne Hathaway standing there. She's like trying to be all, all glamorous. And then Dan Ricardo's like. Like he, he doesn't doing exactly, his Daniel Ricardo thing. Like that sounds pretty like, fun. Yeah, so it, it was a pretty funny moment, I think, in Twitter, where everyone is expecting Lewis Hamilton, and out comes like Daniel Ricardo, and like he's only wearing like a black suit. Like you're supposed to like go all out. Like Lewis Hamilton would yeah. wear like very intense outfits, the way he does to the track. He yeah. wear that to the Met Gala. And Daniel Ricardo's just wearing like a black suit, so it's just it was very it was very funny. Speaking of Daniel Ricardo, yeah, I uh, have a very quick quiz for you. Oh, yay. I love it. Okay. So the timer is going to start in 10 seconds. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to very quickly read a question to you and test your knowledge. 
Excellent. Three, two, one. Daniel Ricciardo has won eight races in Formula One. Where yes. have they been? Oh, okay. Uh, Monaco, um, Australia. No. Uh, nope. He hasn't won his home race. Definitely Monaco. Definitely uh, uh, Monza. That's two. Yeah, the tattoo. Uh, Baku. Did he win in Baku? Yes. Yes. Um, hmm. You got me. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> That's half your time. You've still got 30 seconds. Oh, I thought you said I have 10 seconds. No, no. you got oh, 60 okay. seconds. Okay, 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 okay. Where Monica. did he win his first ever race? Uh, Where did Lewis win his first race? Uh, <laughs> Australia. No, you already What's said your no. favorite country in the world? America. Has he won an American race? No. Canada, North America, North North America. Oh, Canada. Okay, Canada. Correct. Okay. Um, and time. Four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's four, and you gave me one of them. What were the other so, four? Uh, so he started in Canada. He won in Hungary, and he won in Belgium. Okay. Twenty sixteen, he won in Malaysia. Twenty seventeen, oh, Azerbaijan. You know, I knew there is an Asian country in there, but okay. Twenty eighteen, yeah. China and Monaco, and twenty twenty one, Italy. Oh, I knew about China too. That's dumb. I knew about China. That was a big race for him. Don't do um, that again. That was very hard. Don't be like, what are what are Sergio Perez's nine victories? I'm going to cry. I just don't know. <laughs> I thought he had five victories or six. No, he's beaten Charles Leclerc, who has six. So I think he has seven now. Yeah. So he won in Sikir. He's won Azerbaijan twice. Yeah. He's won Monaco. Uh, Monaco. He won a couple. He won Singapore. I think he won Singapore. Singapore, he's won. Yeah, another street. I think he's got five or six. He's got Saudi Arabia as well. Uh, this okay, year. so there's the sixth. There's yeah. yeah, King of the Streets. Okay, Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Next news story. Okay, cool. So this happened while we're off the air. It's probably old news now, but we can t- chat about it. So Mercedes F1 senior technical personnel James Allison and Mike Elliott have swapped roles. Allison returns to the position of technical director, while Elliott becomes chief technical officer. Elliot was the natural successor to Allison, but led the design of Mercedes' two weakest cars of the hybrid era. Yeah. Total Wolf claims Elliot instigated the swap himself, believing his skills were better suited to the promotion. Maybe I should try this. I should just go into work and be like, hey, my skills are better suited to a higher position than the one I'm in now. And the guy <laughs> that got promoted ahead of me should return to this job and do the job I'm supposed to be doing. I think it's a very, very nice way of saying he got fired. We gave him a better. He got fired job. up the way. Yeah, but I I somehow don't think it's going to come with a pay raise and higher status in the company. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the thing is, like, okay, what was the relationship between Mike Elliott and James Allison and Mercedes in the last two years? Because everyone on Twitter seems to be think that James Allison just checked out and went and started working on boats, and Mercedes is like, no, he was always overlooking the overall design. I feel like what happened was he checked out and he started working on boats and then Mike <laughs> Elliott was like, no, I'm I'm taking over. And Mercedes has that famous no blame culture where they say like, we're going to have tough love, but we're yeah. not going to blame one person. Yeah. But I think in this case, they were like, we're not blaming any one person. But if your name starts with Mike and if you design this car, you're at, bo- <laughs> you're at fault. So... I think it's good that James is back in a full capacity. I hope it's full capacity. Yeah, so my understanding is, like you said, I I quite like this whole no-blame culture thing that they're doing because 
Mike Elliott has been involved in all eight championship winning cars as well. Yeah. You know, it's not that he's someone who doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and you still want to retain that skill. Yeah. But they're moving him into a position where he's more bigger picture stuff. Yeah. And James Allison is being moved into a picture where he's more finer details. And maybe yeah. that's just their individual skill sets. So rather than getting rid of someone, they're going, yeah. where are your skills better? Yeah. No, I agree. And I think it's really hard when you have somebody like James Allison who did overall design those championship winning cars and he was at Ferrari and he did such a good job to like say like, okay, you can retire when we still are going up against Adrian Newey. And um, I, it's just a very difficult thing to do. And I think it was probably a mistake by Mercedes to allow him to go off to Ineos. I think they should have waited for him to win the, to make sure that the design of this mm. new generation of cars was yeah. the right design. Then put my, I, I believe in Mike Elliott's ability to develop a car. He did an amazing job last year. He developed the W13, but I think they should have kept James Allison on to at least overview the design and then say, okay, now you can go. You don't have to you know, check in yeah. the entire six years of this regulation. I don't know. Let's see how it goes now. Mercedes say they found two seconds in the sim. You know, Mr. Wow. George Russell hype man, two seconds. Yeah, let's see. Sim. Maybe yeah, it's your point too. <laughs> yeah. Um, last news story: Franz Tost is leaving. Incredible! I love that the silly season for the last two years has been team principles. Yeah, <laughs> just going so back and weird. forth. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so Mekis <clears throat> is joining from Ferrari. Yeah, he this Ferrari. I have a theory which might be totally wrong because obviously Alfa Romeo were sponsoring um, Sauber. Yeah, right. They're a title sponsor, but they don't do very much else yeah but they're they're being dropped and replaced with a full you know technical partnership with audi so i wonder if alfa romeo want to have some sort of similar deal with the alfa tauri team because they're the other italian team right yeah and they can become baby ferrari because they're both in italy they can move staff personnel up and down the country um I think it makes a lot more sense for Ferrari to invest in that team rather than Haas or Sauber, which is in Switzerland. They need to call themselves Alpha Squared because I already get confused between the two Alphas. Yeah, Alpha Alpha. One is F, one is PH. Get your app yeah. together, Formula One teams. Can you explain <laughs> to me again, and I'm going to come off as baby F1 fan here, so I apologize what the relationship is between Alfa Romeo and Sauber exactly. It's the Sauber team with the Alfa Romeo badge. Yeah, so Alfa Romeo are basically a title sponsor, mm -hmm. kind of like um, Patronus. Patronus or like the way Vodafone used to sponsor McLaren, yeah. McLaren. So like people at McLaren were using Vodafone products, but it wasn't Vodafone driving the decisions of making the car. Yeah. So Sauber still make the car and everything, but they wanted more financial security and have got this now partnership with Audi and Audi are going to come and be like, no, this is how you build an engine. This is how we want this done. Audi are going to properly take over. Whereas Alfa Romeo didn't do that. Alfa Romeo was literally, yeah. we're designing the paint job and we're putting our name on this and we're using your drivers to sell our yeah. cars in adverts. So Alfa Romeo and, and Sauber's relationship is for sure coming to an end and it's going to be Audi Sauber. Yeah. Or maybe okay. just Audi. But um, Alfa Romeo, I think it comes to an end this year or next year. There'll be like a one or two year where Sauber will just be Sauber before it becomes Audi. Oh, I see. So then with Laurent Mackey's going to the Sauber team. No, no, he's going to uh, Alfa Tauri. 
AlphaTauri. So you think AlphaTauri should stop being a B team to Red Bull and be a B team to Ferrari? To Ferrari. I think it makes more sense that the Italian team and Fiat owns Ferrari and Alfa Romeo. I think that's where they should be sponsoring instead. You know, it's interesting because there's been so many offers to buy AlphaTauri in the last two years and Red Bull keeps saying they they are rejecting offers. Mm. But like in my experience selling things, you don't get offers unless something is for sale, right? Like nobody just goes to you and says, I will buy your car from you that you have not offered for sale at all. Only if they have an idea that, okay, maybe this person's thinking of selling. Would they go and say, I heard you're thinking of selling. Would you give me an offer? And then you can say, no, not right now. Like I wouldn't just go to that guy who owns the Alpine A110 and say 20,000 pounds for your car. (laughs) So I think that, I think that Red Bull wants to get rid of their B team despite them against it. I think so. Well, I don't know. Part of they're moving part of the organization to Milton Keynes. Yeah. So it's, it's all very confusing and messy. I don't well, know what's so going I, on. I think what will happen is I think Williams will become the new B team. And I think AlphaTauri will become, maybe would be Ferrari's yeah, maybe. new B team. Because you're right. Maybe. They're going to relinquish control of, of the Sauber Audi. Like once once Audi comes in, that's it for Ferrari. They don't they can't use Alfa Romeo as their B team, so to speak. Yeah. So they'll have Haas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, right. exciting. Shall we get into the Azerbaijan Grand Prix? <laughs> Grand Prix, more like Blonde Prix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a few stories. I think there's, obviously, we had the sprint quality, the sprint race, and then we can talk about Mercedes weekend, Red Bull Ferrari, um, how Aston's doing, I guess. Um, and then you want to talk about Hulk Ocon and De Vries as well and the pit lane drama at the end. So yeah. where should we start? Let's start with the sprint, the new sprint weekend format. Yeah. So recapping it, so they it used to be you had a qualifying session on Friday, which set the grid for the sprint, which mm-hmm. spread, which set the grid for the race, and they've changed yeah. it. So you have the qualifying on Friday sets the grid for Sunday. You have a new qualifying shootout. They're calling it a sprint, American style. You're yeah. doing that on uh, on Saturday, and then you're doing that, and then right afterwards, like four hours later, you have the sprint shoot. You have the sprint race itself. So before I go into my feelings, Arfa, what do you think of the change? So I think we're heading in a good direction, and that I enjoyed having two quality sessions, and even having two races. Okay, the races were a bit dull, yeah. but there was potential, yeah. um, and it was much better than practice sessions. I think certain drivers felt with the lack of practice problems got baked into their cars because they weren't allowed to make modifications. So Carlos Sainz struggled compared to his teammate. He was, yeah. I can't remember in the Grand Prix, he was like four days behind Alonso or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was like, well, I didn't quite get my setup right. And then suddenly we're racing the whole time and I can't change yeah. things because it's in part for my conditions. Yeah. So the way I would do, it, I think would be to, have two practice sessions on Friday mm-hmm. and then quali and a race on uh, Saturday Saturday, and then quali and a race on Sunday. Ooh. Okay, so that solves one problem because I, I do agree with you that we need more practice sessions. The problem with practice sessions are they're so boring for us as fans because nobody yeah. knows what the fuel level is. Nobody knows what engine mode they're using. Nobody knows anything. You know, uh, We're just watching the cars essentially go in circles. There's no racing. Um, but the teams absolutely need the practice sessions. They need them, need them, need them. So even Mercedes said that they didn't find the optimal setup and they felt that 
because right like race pace wise, Aston and Mercedes and Ferrari were all pretty similar. Mm. Uh, but Mercedes were like, you know, we could have been faster than both those teams. We just didn't have more time. So I, I don't know. I think that's a good solution. And I think quality right before the race is really cool. And I really, that's probably my favorite part of this new setup. And is people that, were talking a lot because, you know, Logan Sargent hit a wall, brought out a red flag and ruined other people's qualifying. Yeah. So people were all like, oh, you know, he should get a penalty. If you cause a red flag in quality, your lap time should be deleted, blah, blah, blah. Because he crashed, he couldn't take part in the race. So yeah. he like self-penaltied himself. So yeah. that's another yeah. like bonus like of the like, situation. Like give, them, give them four hours to fix the car. If you can't yeah. fix your car in four hours, you don't deserve to race. So I like yeah. that. Yeah. The one thing I don't like about so I, I like that Saturday was way more exciting. I love yeah. that. I was like so happy for everything. But here is the problem, and I realized that when I was watching the sprint race, is what is now the point of being in the sprint no, race? No, one hundred percent. Yeah, agreed. Because yeah. I was thinking like like they're pitting Ocon or something, and he was like coming out in seventeenth place in the sprint race, and I was like, why? Just retire the car yeah. at this point. Because you're even in the Grand Prix, even in the Grand Prix, yeah. You can, even if you're fifteenth place, yeah. it goes into your official classification. Yes, and if someone yes. else is sixteenth place, it puts yes. you one position higher than the, them the in the constructors' championship. Yeah. Whereas now the sprint race, if you're beyond, I feel like what they should do is the top ten who qualify for Q three or sprint shootout Q three or whatever should be the ones who race. And and I think that it gives the last two people the opportunity to get some. Well, what about the top fifteen? Knock out the bottom five. Because well, it gives but, five people a chance to, to get a point at 10th points. place. All yeah. right. Okay, fine. I, I, or I like top that. 12 or top 13. I would have a couple of cars top in there 12. extra. I like top 12. Yeah. yeah, top 12. Something like that. Yeah. Top 12 would be really good because now you have the opportunity to get into the points. Whereas yeah. like, if you're in 18th place, you're not going to get to the points. Why are you yeah. even racing? Yeah. So that that is now my, my one gripe with the sprint. But I, I think they've moved in a good direction. And I think this is going to be solved pretty quickly because I think a lot of drivers felt this. Like they were like, why are we? Even Lewis Hamilton in the race is in the points. He's in like seventh or sixth or something. And he's just like, I am not going to challenge for position because what's the point? Let me keep my car safe and make up positions in the Grand Prix tomorrow, which is what yeah. basically he did. So, yeah. One thing I you could do to even make it even more mixed up and random yeah. in your actual qualifying, yeah. you could uh, let your third driver take part as well oh. and still only have it as a top 12. So, you know, if you got, if you got showed up by the third driver – reputationally that could be interesting but how would that work so let's take like red bull for for an example daniel ricardo would hop in yeah the they car. give him a car <laughs> he would just be the third car i guess so i don't know car? like this isn't a well thought out idea it's just popped into my okay, head yeah. but <laughs> yeah <laughs> have a whole extra car why not <laughs> 30 cars yeah oh my yeah. God, <laughs> yeah um yeah, but yeah, let's see how it goes. And then there's so many this year. I'm trying to see if I can attend the Grand Prix. I think I'm going to try and do one with the sprint race just to see what it's like in yeah. person. Because I remember when I went to the Formula One last year at Austin, Saturday was like, I mean, qualifying was good. But even the practice sessions in person are like, I use that time to explore the rest of the. Yeah, the and take pictures and things. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. Were other race series on, like W Series or F2 or anything? Uh, that weekend there was just the Porsche hypercars, um, uh, and there wasn't okay. anything else. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good when there's a, a good support races as well. 
That's true. Which I want to talk about F1 Academy. Should we talk about that at the end or should we talk about it? Let's go now. Let's talk F1 Academy. So W Series seems to be dead in the water because it's just not, I mean, where is it right now? Where is it? Yeah. Well, I looked at their Twitter. I looked at the website. I can't work out what's happening. It's very sad. I, I, I appreciate that Formula One listened to Lewis Hamilton and created their own female series that they personally are sponsoring. Whereas Ooh. W Series had to find its own sponsoring, and that's why it sort of just died. But it's still like it was very unceremonious the way they got rid of W Series. But anyway, now yeah, we've got F1 they could have just worked together. Exactly. What they should have done is they should have made W uh, F One Academy the F Four, and then W Series continued it to be the F Three. Because what happened was in W Series you had two types of drivers. You had rookies like Bianca, who had Ooh. never sat in a in a car like that before. Then you had multi-champions like Jamie Chadwick and you can't put yeah. them in the same series together so I think they should have kept it two different series but regardless we've got F1 Academy which is now the, the, the second half of those drivers the newer drivers like yeah. Bianca and like some of the people like Hamda Al-Kubesi who is coming from uh, Freca so I, I think that it is a really nice first step and our friend mm. Bianca was on the podium she was P2 yeah she got P3 steps. and then elevated to P2 which is incredible. She got. She was. I wish I could have seen her on the podium. Which brings me to the main thing I want to talk about. We couldn't see anything for F1 Academy. I there's nothing now. The highlights are coming out on Twitter, and apparently it's because there's some issue with the broadcasting. So they they recorded the whole race. They have yeah, and they had commentary and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess Sky F1. This is what I'm hearing. Yeah, Sky Sky's F1. being blamed for this because they are like, no, we control everything. Yeah. And then F1 Academy is like, no, you don't control this. This wasn't in your original contract. Like, yes. No. Yeah. We control everything. But they can easily work this out because with W Series, they did that where ESPN got like rights later to, to play W yeah. Series. Or at the very least, they could have thrown it on Twitch or YouTube. Like, it could have found some way. Yeah. Instagram Live. They could have had no, a I guy like it when students are on YouTube. I like it when things are on YouTube. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. yeah. Put make it make make a Twitter space and just record it with your phone. There's so many things they could have done, and I just I don't know. It's so frustrating not being like somebody was really clever. They made their own version of like the Mario Kart track uh, with all yeah. the little heads moving around. Okay. So that's what I was watching. But oh, the other wow. problem, the other problem is for being a, a series sponsored by F1, their schedule was directly clashing with F1. So I was watching yeah. the sprint shootout on one screen and then Bianca's race on the other screen. Yeah. So still some kinks to work out, but I think overall very exciting. And the just the yeah. highlights that have come out, the racing is quite good. I don't know yeah. if you've seen I think the lower series you always get better racing um, yeah. because cars can follow and overtake because they're not so sensitive yeah. to aerodynamics. I yeah. saw something that was like the Mazda MX five series yeah. is the pinnacle of racing and some like <laughs> amazing overtakes. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I think Formula One needs to sort of work out what it's doing with aerodynamics because yeah. it will lead to dull races. Ah, Baku! Let's go. Yeah. So, okay, before we get into the race, let's talk about the dull race thing for a little bit because there's yeah. all this talk now that dirty air is back. And the whole point yeah. of the regulations was to get rid of the dirty air and make the cars not so reliant on aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. Do From your vast experience watching f1 during multiple eras of of the formula would you say that this was a return of the dirty air that people were stuck in effectively a drs train or was it that the cars are so similar in pace they couldn't overtake or is it i don't think it's similar i think what's happened what because i remember when pirelli came in 
Yeah. And I remember, there was, was it China or something? There was suddenly like crazy racing, super exciting. Yeah. Because what happened was the tires, rather than, you know, being super fast on lap one and then gradually deteriorating, they sort of fell off a cliff at some point. Yeah. Because you could not, drivers before that would normally be like, oh, I think my tires are going off. I probably need to pit in the next three, four laps. Yeah. Whereas when Pirelli first came in, they were like, oh God, my tires have suddenly gone off. <laughs> I need to pit yeah. this lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you'd get massive tire differentials. Mm-hmm. Whereas here we saw a couple of cars did the entire race on one set of tires, mm-hmm. right? Which meant that the pace wasn't so terrible at the end. Okay, Hulkenberg started to get quite slow four or five laps before the end. Mm-hmm. But imagine your tires mm-hmm. were only good for 10, 12 laps. Yeah. You had more pit stops. And what happens is you've taken care of your tires. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the car in front, his tires are gone. Now you can extract the speed from your tires. That's how Formula One worked. But is that creating drama? You're creating the drama every 12 laps. Well, yes and no. Like whatever you do, you could argue it's artificial to an extent. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what's happened is because we were stuck with aerodynamics, we relied on having huge differences in how people's tires worked to give the car behind an overtake but you could be strategic about it you know mm-hmm. a driver's skill came into it because it was about how a driver took care of their tri- their tires that's why people like jensen button did really well sergio perez all these sort of you know sergio perez was constantly sneaking onto podiums when he had no right to yeah it's yeah. because you could take care of his tires and then use them later yeah um so it is part of a skill set yeah it was part of the skill set and you could go well you know this driver has done it better yeah, it, it was probably and like all things, there'll be a balance. You could probably swing too far the other way, and you could say, "Look, doesn't matter how skillful the driver is; these tires just go off yeah. too quick." Yeah. Um, but I think now we're in a situation where the aerodynamics are better than before, mm-hmm. but still create some dirty air, mm-hmm. and then the tires are just solid. So there's nothing to differentiate the cars. Yeah, I think this this new tire for this generation was a mistake, and. Like every race this season, we've had an entire tire come off, which is not something that I've seen. But I, I almost don't blame Pirelli because, you know, people are like, oh, Max Verstappen had this puncture when he ran to uh, pressure yeah, that you told year, us not to. And ago, yeah. You did this and, oh, Pirelli, we're complaining, we're complaining, we're complaining. So Pirelli like, okay, fine, here's a really good tire. It can finish the whole race. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it was a race where not much happened. Yeah, the... and I, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not like, oh my god, the regulations are broken, and mm. because every sport will have its dull moments. You know, in yeah. football, there's a nil-nil um, yeah. or a draw. Um, I don't know uh, how hand egg works, yeah. but there, there will always be competitions where not much happens, and that's why the exciting ones are exciting. Yeah. Um, the they problem is, if we have a season of races like this, that's a problem. But to have races like this, you know, through the season, I think is fine. Well, so I remember last year, there's all, because that was the first year of the new regulations. And I remember that, like, the calendar is really street circuit heavy in the first half for some reason. Like, mm. what it's like Australia, Saudi, Monaco, Baku, um, uh, there's a couple other ones, uh, Miami. Like these are all street circuits that are right in the first half for some reason. So really good for Perez, but um, 
it's uh, not good for maybe looking at these regulations. And I just think that these regulations maybe are better for open tracks and not necessarily for street circuits. I think that's what yeah. I prefer most. proper circuits to street circuits. I think street circuits are cool, but should probably be like one twenty five percent. Yes, yes, yeah, one fourth <laughs> of the of the season should yeah. be street. No more, but it's so easy to make a street circuit. Like, yeah, we could probably make a street circuit around where you live right now, you know, yeah, and call it the Arafat Grand Prix. We should, yes, so. 100%. Yeah. I'll like stand and wave flags, and everyone can have like you know, those giant heads, but yeah. it'll just be my head instead. <laughs> the drivers, <laughs> the first ever Arafat Grand Prix. If you had a bunch of money, I bet you can make Formula One, yeah. It's basically a sad day. So I think it's okay to have boring races like this one, but I think it was funny because last year was quite boring too. So maybe it's just a track. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. 2021 maybe. was quite boring too before Verstappen crashed out and <laughs> uh, yeah, made that two lap. This is why I think if it's a boring race, three laps before, red flag it for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Throw oil on the circuit at random patches. <laughs> Yeah, and then yeah, like just you know, we're gonna make this artificial anyway. We've got DRS, we've got the the tires that come off, so let's just make it fully artificial. Right. How do yeah. you think Mercedes did this weekend? I think they had a good weekend. I think this was a poor track for them. I think mm. that coming in, they knew it was going to be not a good track, and they were kind of warning us after Australia, like we've got no major upgrades until um, Imola, so Baku's not gonna go great. So just keep that in mind. And then they showed up, and their cars weren't good. Uh, mm. Lewis barely got into Q3 by point George zero. Didn't. I know, yeah, you know, by point zero zero six seconds. Had there been like, had Lewis sneezed at the wrong time, yeah. George would have gotten in, and Lewis wouldn't have gotten in. So that I don't think is a estimation of George. I think that is the car, and I. But it was nice to see Lewis consistently faster than George. Well, this was the thing. So he was. Always ahead of George, because I think for this season, we're Lewis fans, everyone knows that. He's not going to win the championship. It would be nice to win a race, but I've lost confidence in that too. <laughs> yes. Um, so all I'm doing is going, right, he needs to beat George. Yeah. Um, not because I have anything against George, but just as a Lewis fan. So he was consistently ahead of George throughout. Yeah. And then suddenly, in like, he ends yeah. up behind him. Basically when it mattered. Right when it mattered, when it whenever mattered. it mattered. Yeah. In the sprint, he ended up behind him. And then in the actual race, he got caught out by the safety car. Yeah. But that safety car did allow Sergio Perez ahead. So I was like, yes, I'll take this because it means Max isn't winning. And um, the restart, I was like, oh, this is going to be so annoying. But Lewis did so good at the restart yeah, to I like think get ahead I, of those cars. So I think we saw a really good performance by Lewis. On, yeah, one hundred percent in both qualifying and the race. Because in yeah. qualifying, to bring his car to P five, I was expecting P seven or eight. Because yeah. now we have got we've got four teams competing, right? So I thought yeah. he's going to be at the bottom of that list. But to bring it to P five, I thought he de- he delivered a masterful lap, and I think it was probably the absolute best that the yeah. car could have given. It was P5, and it was uh, higher than George. It was just the sprint quality that George was faster than Lewis. They beat him in the race. And he beat him in the race. And that's the other thing. Lewis dropped down to 11. Did you watch this, the restart? Because, yeah, that yeah, was so good. amazing. So good. I'm, like, such a good – that was probably his best restart that I've personally seen because he just has bad luck with the safety cars. So, in recent times, best he, he immediately jumps Hulk, immediately jumps Ocon, makes a – you know, that's the thing. He got up behind Stroll – he needed Stroll to make a mistake, 
and that was very easy to get him to make a mistake because all he had to do is wait for Alonzo to try and help him out. And Alonzo went, hey, look at my break balance and give it to Stroll. I'm sure it'll help him. And so they did, and Stroll was like, okay, I'm going to immediately spin out. So that's what happened. <laughs> and, and, uh, that'll, and, yeah, Lewis overtook him, and then that sh- and then Lewis overtook George, which is the right thing. You know, if even if – because George is Mr. Saturday, so I'm expecting him to have good qualifying days. If he even if he gets ahead of Lewis, uh, the the way you know who is a stronger driver at that circuit is based on race pace, and I think Lewis clearly overtook George and and made yeah. that land. So I think he I think coming into P six I think was great. I think if one other thing had gone his way, he could have gone back to his position of P five. Um, yeah. As it was, he was effectively stuck in a DRS train, not really able to make any pressure on. Science and science was 30 years away from Alonso, who's not really able to pressure Leclerc. So nobody was really able to, like, George wasn't really able to pressure Stroll. So it was just like a very weird, like, not able to pressure each other. But I was very happy with Lewis. I think he should be happy. Last year, I think he finished in 13th place. He herniated four discs. It was a bad race mm. weekend overall. So I was very happy with Lewis's performance. So. Coming on to the consequences of the safety car, it put uh, Verstappen in a position that he probably didn't want to be in either, Yeah, but was very fortuitous for Perez. And we have a new feature here at Slow Pit Stop, which we've done with at Adam Avatar. You can check it out on YouTube now. We're going to start a little audio telenovela series called <laughs> Dear Sergio's Diary. Um, we'll play you a little clip just now. Dear Diary, it is me, Sergio Perez, Formula One driver. Today my heart is filled with both joy and the sorrow as the taste of victory clashes with the bitterness of a fractured friendship. Oh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix, you have gifted me the sweet nectar of triumph, but at the expense of the love I seek from my dear friend Max. Okay. To hear the full episode, um, check out YouTube now. We'll link it below and we'll put it up as a short. But Sergio, right, Mohammed. I'm going to say something very stupid here. No, say it. I think I have to. Okay. I'm going to allow my heart, because my brain will not, but I'm going to allow my heart to believe that Perez can be champion this year. Oh, he definitely can be champion. If that's what your heart wants, he definitely can be champion. It just depends on, like, two things. One is how much of a lead he can rack up in these early races. And two is how many DNFs Max gets this year. Exactly, because I think Max is capable of winning six, seven, eight races in a row. Yeah. Um, And then it'll just be completely over for Perez. Because we've seen this with other drivers. You know, Bottas has had strong starts to seasons. And then Lewis just ramps it up to another level. And... Realistically, Verstappen will just take things to another level. He'll win like 10 races in a row, break all these records, blah, blah, blah. But I think it would be pretty amazing if Perez did a Rosberg. Just yes. And you saw this from, I think Anthony Davidson was talking to Sky F1 podcast. Yeah. He was like, he needs to do a Rosberg. He needs to get under Verstappen's skin. Yeah. Uh, he needs to stop being the nice guy. And I would love to see the sort of like a selective dark side to Perez where he's like still Mr. Nice guy to the whole paddock, but he just really annoys Max. I think that would be really funny. Well, the thing is, I think he's doing that. He crashed on purpose in Monaco. Did he? Do we have any evidence he did that? 
Well, Bradley Philpot made a really nice video where he concluded that he thinks it was on purpose. Okay. But, okay, let's say he didn't. That's still the same type of energy I liked. I think he could bring it. The thing is, like, ah, that yeah, Verstappen can just rack up the points so high. And we've seen this before with Baltas where he starts the season strong. And matter of fact, Perez started the season strong last year, too. He was very close with Leclerc and, and Verstappen. But what yeah. happened was Red Bull as a team don't want him to succeed and i think they're always going to develop the car around max and that's going to hurt perez and right now it hasn't developed around max entirely so perez is in a car he's sort of comfortable with at tracks that he's very comfortable with so that's why i said he needs to rack up the points early on like if verstappen dnf'd in miami and imola and like uh perez got a 50 point lead it would take verstappen like seven races to erase that lead and that is mm. time that you can kind of work with so it it's just the, the number of DNA because what 2016 it was Malaysia right that sealed the deal yeah. for Lewis. So you just need we need a Malaysia 2023 for seal the deal against Max. But yeah. let's, let's see. But I I'm gonna get my hopes up and crushed because I did it last year with Charles Leclerc. So why yeah. you know, why not? You know, let's do it. Why not? That that's yeah. that's where we're at just now. Yeah. Um. What else did we want to talk about? You wanted to talk about the strategy that Hulkenberg had. Yes, uh, how pointless it was, mostly. So. Yes, he scored no points. It was pointless. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I can see the wishful thinking because basically what they needed was a safety car in the second half of the race, like 10 laps before the end or something. Yeah. If he'd had a safety car, he could have potentially come out again in the points because yeah. they thought, we're not going to score points anyway. Yeah. So why don't we take this gamble and maybe score some points by doing, like, you know, if we come out, 10 laps to go, soft tires, sneak a couple of points, you know, P9, P8, something like that. But the gamble didn't pay off because there was no late safety car. Well, yes, but you can't gamble your entire strategy on a safety car. That's just a bad strategy. No, but if you're going to score zero points anyway, if you know no, but the top four about, teams are going to come now, down to P- But now it's about finishing position, right? Because if he finishes 12th, that's better than finishing whatever he finished, which was like 17th or 18th or something. Like, yeah, but Baku is a place where there's always a safety car. It just came too early in their strategy. Yeah, but you can't you can't make your whole strategy rely on a safety car. You no, know? that's why it's a huge gamble. If it had happened and Haas had finished that race in P8, they would have looked like geniuses. Maybe, but instead they look like a bunch of... <laughs> you set me up you set me up uh way too yeah we can beat that up but you set me up way too way too easily for that but uh <laughs> um, um yeah i think i think it was yeah they, they, they took a risk like you like you said the conservative thing would have been to go and say can we get p12 13 14 15 but yeah. they took a gamble with one of their cars to say can we get p8 p7 instead but see, when they did it with Albon last year, when Williams did it, and Albon, it was Albon, right? Or was it yeah. two years ago? I don't know. I don't remember if it was when it was. But it was with him, and they didn't rely on the safety car coming out. He pit, and he came out in P10, and that was purely on race pace. And it looked good because it was a good performance by a driver saving his tires. Albon yeah. clearly hadn't lost a step, and that's why people were like, oh, we need this driver. Williams was pleased with him, and he got Williams a point. So I, I think that there's ways to do this entire race thing on one set of tires, but I don't think hostage. I, I can't, you can't just say, you know, no, it, it was the wrong strategy, but we're only saying that in hindsight. 
No, I was definitely thinking it in foresight as well. So, I was like, what are they doing? But especially no, no. when if, if a safety car order, had come out 10 laps before the end, Hulkenberg would have been in a great position. If that's that's if, too big of an if. I, I, I know it's too big of an if. I'm not yeah. saying it's it was a clever strategy. I'm just saying it was a what, highly what risky one. Cuz that's the other that's a direct comparison. Like, where where did he finish? Let me look up. Can't Azerbaijan remember. 2023. GP. I'm gonna Google this live on air. Where's my Wikipedia? There it is. Let's see. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> sprint class. Ocon finished in 15th. Hulkenberg finished in 17th. So just all around poor strategies. Where did where yeah. did Ocon start? Ocon started in the pit lane. Yeah. And finished 15th. So that's actually not, I guess, horrible. Hulkenberg started in 17th and ended 17th. So I guess technically he he didn't lose anything. Exactly. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. Because he didn't lose anything, it was worth taking the gamble. All right, fine. I'll give it to you guys. I didn't realize how low he started. Yeah. Only to finish at the back again. (laughs) Speaking of starting low, DeVries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, have you had your Leonardo DiCaprio moment or not yet? Yeah, I think um, we see this with certain people. Um, you've got to be in the right car at the right time. Hmm. I think, you know, when De Vries was in the right car in Formula E, he became a champion. Yeah, And I think he's just like, he's being outperformed by Sonoda, but I think you have to give people half a year to get used to the team, used to the car, all of that sort yeah. of stuff. So, I don't know how long his contract is, but I'd really compare him to Sonoda next year mm-hmm. rather than this year. Or um, compare him to Sonoda, I guess, this time last year or two years ago. Yeah. Right? Um, right. But what De Vries needs is a good second half of the season. Yeah. Um, I think it's too early to judge. I, th- I know there's lots of uh, articles that I've seen. You know, if you type De Vries into Google, you got all these race uh, articles about, oh, he was overhyped. Oh, he's like not got it. Blah blah blah. He shouldn't be an F one. Yeah, I think it's not fair to say that. Um, I think he needs time. I think he's had a horrendous start to yeah. the beginning of his F one career, but I think a lot of that is down to the car. Like you look at Daniel Ricciardo, you put people yeah. into bad cars and it breaks them. You put yeah. people into good cars and they flourish. And yeah. I think he's just not in an environment where he can flourish at the minute. So this was just a bad, you know, when they made Miami, they said, we're going to make a track that creates mistakes. I think Azerbaijan is a little bit of that track because just both the rookies struggled. Logan Sargent had a horrible weekend too, like an awful, God awful weekend. And um, everyone hit the wall at a certain point, including Perez hit the wall in turn in entry of turn 15. Um, so I think that this is just a tough track. And I just think it highlighted the fact that he's not <clears throat> used to his car yet, but it is only like, the fourth race of his entire F1 full career. I mean, I guess he did that one last year. The thing is, some people said that in Formula E, he like was flattered by DNFs by Stoffel Van Dorn or their qualifying format, which was a little bit biased. And they, they so I don't know if you watch Formula E or if our listeners do, but they used to have a yeah. And I know format. in Formula Two, people also say when he won, it was because everybody that was better than him, like Albon, Russell, left. Norris, yeah. left. Yeah. So, is he the next Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen? No. Well, remember that Julian Palmer won F two as well, and he came to Formula One and really struggled. So, 
Yeah, people will have natural ceilings to Mm -hmm. their ability. But I think also what I've come to realize after years of watching Formula One is had Jolien Palmer maybe come in with a different team or a different car, he could have been champion. And, you know, had Lewis Hamilton come in to Formula One in Sauber as like a Ferrari junior and then ended up in bad Ferraris, he could have had no championships. Very true. It's called the Fernando Alonso effect. Exactly. So, um, so I I don't think anybody becomes a champion by being lucky. Yeah. But I think um, a team. Some people can just be in the wrong place at the wrong time and not get the chance to show off their potential. You look at Ricardo, his Red Bull years versus the other years. Yeah. Um. So, I think DeVries is maybe in. You know, DeVries hasn't appeared in Formula One because his dad bought a Formula One team for him. Yeah. <laughs> he's got there because he's won junior categories. Mm-hmm. And I think he deserves to be there. But I think he needs more time for us to fully to develop decide if he mm. if he's a champion or not. Yeah. I, I think that's probably true. I, I think anyone who says so and so is overhyped is harsh. I mean not even in the who are me and you to judge him. Exactly. We can barely exactly. like Yeah. Parallel yeah. Park. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he, I mean, I don't know. Let's see. Cause Williams is good at these tracks with the good high power, unit yeah. power and stuff like that. And that was also the track that De- DeVries did well in last year when he subbed in for Alex Albon after he had appendicitis. That's what happened, right? I think that's what happened. I um, think so. Yeah. Appendicitis. Yeah. So it is tough to know. It's, it's a mixed bag, but mm. I, I agree. I think it's time to, I think we should give him a chance. I think if you win F2 and you win F E uh, Formula E, you deserve to be in Formula yeah. One, and you deserve a chance. So give him a year. I mean, we gave Yuki Sonoda two years, and Yuki definitely struggled uh, his first year. So definitely think that, yeah. Let's let's talk. But you know, other people who had horrible weekends. We talked about Logan Sargent, awful, god awful weekend. But also Alfa Romeo as a team just had a horrendous. Yeah, I don't know weekend. what was going on there. Like, they were like pitching four hundred <laughs> times. Bottas was there. Maybe he wasn't there. You know, there's all this stuff about the. Um, the Mandalorian TV show. Yeah. And people are like, wait, was uh, Pedro Pascal actually there or is it just some body double and he's just on voice acting? Yeah. It's like, was Bottas there or was it just a body <laughs> double and Bottas sent his voice from Australia? <laughs> was it this race that they sent, they brought Yuki in and then sent him back out? Yeah, it was this race, right? <laughs> yeah. That was, I know it was a different Alpha team, but w- what is it with Alpha? T- just retire your car. Don't try uh... to fix it with duct tape. Don't try to strap the wing on there. The with pinnacle like... <laughs> of motorsport. The pinnacle, like... <laughs> Muhammad. The pinnacle. This is the best of the best of the best. They sent this the is as out. good as it gets. <laughs> and immediately it's broken. And they made him do an entire lap God. on this clearly broken car with the right. broken right exactly. suspension. You see, you see how competent this team is. And you wonder why DeVries is struggling. Yeah. <laughs> This is guy should have gone to Williams. They, should they have gone deserve, to Williams. They deserve Ferrari. They they yeah. are meant for each other. I think so. so. I think <laughs> AlphaTauri become baby Ferrari. The match made in heaven. Is there like a version of the meatball flag that's like the please please pit your car, <laughs> <laughs> please ultra ultra meatball flag? Like yeah. we can't do at, meatball at with least, spaghetti for yes meatball the, with spaghetti flag exactly yeah. And it's only for Alphatory whenever they try to do something yeah, stupid yeah, yeah, like this. Yeah. I, I do think it's good, though. We didn't have anyone get penalties for being, like, one centimeter off their box yeah, or whatever. Geez. Yeah, 
Oh, do you know what? Speaking of penalties and things going wrong, we'll finish by talking about the pit lane incident at the end, yes. where Esteban Ocon almost like speared through a bunch of photographers. Yeah, and the FIA had to be referred to themselves for <laughs> idiotic behavior. I'm not learning that from was when yes. uh, Alban did this last time, no. and uh, there was a great tweet by Rory Reed. Uh, I can't I remember. Just, no, off the you top always of my say head. that. You're always like, "There's a great tweet by." Like, are you just on Twitter all the time? Don't you have no? Like, you are. Rory Reed time? was what a Top Gear presenter, but he basically said, um, I, I "Take it back. I apologize." Good thing, <laughs> good thing Ocon was able to stop in time and didn't kill anyone. Could you imagine the carnage if he had a nose stud? <laughs> Thanks, FIA, for all your safety rules. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's also funny is that the Red Bull Red Bull lane people went up onto the fence to celebrate like they were also part of the group that left early or was that this that was that last race i don't remember when that was but like why they they made the rule that you can't do that anymore and then they did it anyway and it's like you're making all these rules for safety which I, they should have safety rules like we clearly yeah. saw that with the roman Grosjean. but, but it's do like the basics focused. right first exactly exactly yeah. of motorsport and they were honestly. saying like oh this is like if you read the the um document they came out with where like, we investigated the fia officials and found them to be uh, correct but yeah because of course they did but they were like oh this is standard procedure is to come out in the final lap yeah. but you've got to have like a light in the pit lane that's like not all cars have pitted we will definitely get a pit on the last lap because okan and hulkenberg have not pit yet so yeah yeah. They can't hide behind, oh, this is just standard procedure. Change the procedure. Your procedure <laughs> exactly, is done. Yeah. I think they might because they, they tend to do that. But they you know what they tend to do is deny they did anything wrong and, and then change something. Was, ex- and change it later. Because yeah. that's even when they took away when they took it away from Lewis, they denied they did anything wrong. We followed the rule, this blah blah blah. And then later yeah. they were like, actually no, like we're gonna change how things go. Same with the safety car, same with the recovery vehicle on track. Nothing we did was wrong. But from now on, we won't be doing things that way. So I think that's uh, probably what's gonna happen. Nothing we did was wrong, but from now on until the checkered flag. But you know it is dangerous because you like I I mean the fans, I don't blame the fans, because there's really hard to tell when there's no more cars on the track. I, yeah. having been there. Like I would like, like I said, when there's a fan invasion in Australia, I would have been the fan in the invasion because yeah. I, it's just so hard to tell when the race is fully over and when everybody's in the pit lane. Yeah. So I don't blame the fans at all. I I definitely well I blame them because they're rich enough to afford that experience. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't blame I blame the FIA. And you know what? We need to have a couple different segments. We need to have the Perez Diary segment, which is new. Yeah. We need to have uh, we haven't done a Horner's Corner. Well, I guess we kind of did a Horner's Corner. Earlier, yeah. but uh, we need to have a FIA or clowns <laughs> segment yeah. where every race we just clown the FIA for being clowns. Um, thank you everyone for listening. That is our episode. We're gonna do a standalone video talking about F1 fantasy, yeah, uh, and see how people did because I think everyone forgot to change their teams. Uh, I forgot I too, I did. me too, yeah, and so did uh, Adam told us he forgot. So, yeah, we've all just forgot. We had a we had a month off, it's too long. You can't give us a month too off. Long. F1, I forgot everything. I was like, what's DRS? Development relay strategy. system. I forgot. Yeah, system. Development relay system. The so. development relay system. It's obvious. God. Yeah. We go to Miami next. That's exciting. Miami. Welcome to Miami. <laughs> you should be more excited. It's in your country. <laughs> no. Well, I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you, everyone. See you later. Bye. Bye.
This has been a production for Not That Good Media.